Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Hello and welcome everyone to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have a fantastic podcast today. But first, I want to shout out to our donors. And today, I want to say thank you to Miguel. Miguel was a guest on the podcast, and I really appreciate your donation, Miguel. This is a 100% donation-based ministry, and it is a podcast prayer and retreat ministry. Speaking of the retreat, you can go to the spiritualform.org slash retreat to learn about the retreat that I am holding at Unity Village, Missouri, October 19th through the 22nd, and the theme is Peace Begins With Me. And that's all I'll say about that today. Let me introduce my guests. I have with me two wonderful gentlemen. Lama Lanang Rinpoche was born in northeastern Tibet. At the age of eight, he was chosen and invited into the monastery by a great Buddhist master. He studied there until he completed his training as a monastic. He's received teachings from a large number of teachers from the different lineages of Tibetan Buddhism, including His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. Lama Lanang Rinpoche is from the Nyingma School of Tibetan Buddhism. He is the founder and director of Jigme Lingma Center, a nonprofit organization with centers in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. His missions and teachings are to develop world peace through inner peace. The other gentleman I have with me today is Morty Levine, and he has been a Buddhist practitioner for over 40 years. He's the creator of the Meditation Pro Series, which teaches meditation for conditions that affect Western civilization, such as stress, insomnia, weight issues, and smoking. He's the president of the Jingma Lingpa Center, and the goal of that center is to generate benefit to all beings through dissemination of the Buddhist teachings of wisdom and compassion. Now, together, Rinpoche and Morty authored the newly published book, The Tibetan Book of the Dead for Beginners. And this book provides enduring and accessible advice for living with wisdom and compassion and meeting the end of life with courage and peace. So welcome, Rinpoche and Morty. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Hi, Carol. Good to be here again. <laughs> yeah, I know. So just to, just for our listeners, I am being tested. I've been told I'm being tested. Yesterday, I had air conditioning failures and internet failures, and we had to kind of abort our podcast in the middle. And I'm so grateful to Morty and Rinpoche for being willing to reschedule today in a more relaxed situation and <laughs> less electronic things going on around us. So it's really great to try to do this again. Um, so I think first, I'd like for you to share just a little bit about your spiritual journey. I know I just introduced you, but I'd love to hear from Rinpoche, like, I, I, I we just heard about the beginnings of your life, but like, how did you get to the United States? And from Morty, also kind of how did you begin your Buddhist training, and how did you get to meet Rinpoche, and you guys become partners in uh, the center that you're running? Um, so, Rinpoche, could you tell us a little bit about your your background and how you got to the United States and doing what you're doing today now? Um, uh, there's a, we can talk about all day and that, but uh, the short is uh, uh, I don't want to come to U.S. in the beginning for sure. 
and I was in India and Nepal uh, to see the holy places of uh, Buddhist and uh, see some uh, masters like Dalai Lama, his holy Gotipchen and Manlantichen. So those kind of some lamas, I need some teachings. So that's the reason was I um, ran away from Tibet and to, went to India and Nepal. Uh, so in, from there, I was all invited in America. I got invitation to come to America to teach and also do artwork, some artists. So um, and then I reject. I said, no, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I just really don't want to go there. But everybody thinks I was crazy because uh, all my friends and all the Tibetans I meet, they all say, everybody wants to go to America. You got invitation. You don't want to go. So then actually, you know, changing my mind. So I said, oh, okay, yeah, we'll go. So then I come to America. Actually, a couple of years, I really don't like because you grow up in the mountains and the monasteries, tortures different lifestyle in America. Everything is kind of, it's not fit in my view and my culture. It's like all so different. Then and one day I talked to my teacher, one of my masters, and uh, and uh, he said, "How's America? So are you enjoying?" I said, "No, I'm not really enjoying. I think I need to looking for a job, maybe work in a restaurant and clean tables." And uh, he said, "I training these years, and I've heard the sort of number one students, really practitioners." Are you going to waste all the you studies? You should teach people what you know. I said, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. You know, uh, we all like uh, make stories, right? Then he said, I don't want to hear stories. You're already in America. That's a great country. And first, why you didn't go there? Why you go there? So you went. That means your mission's there. Teach people, never work in a restaurant or any those kind of ways. Don't waste your time because you have precious gift. If you share your gift, people appreciate you and see you different ways. Then, but I can teach because I don't know the language. So my problem was I just started teaching art class because easy, you know, I just started drawing and people just follow me. And I have 40 people come first class, then maybe last, less, maybe the end, maybe we have 10 person, but uh, they follow through. So kind of, we have good uh, couple months, uh, good class every week. So from there, and I realized one day I went to the beach, I was meditating then. I was like, oh, okay, all these problems I am kind of bothers me is not my problem. It's, it's uh, not American problem. That's their culture. So it doesn't matter what clothes they wear, what tattoos they have, what kind of color hair they do. That's the culture of America called freedom. So I was like, okay, I'm the problem I make myself because I am rejecting and sort of against. That's why. And now I have to accept and I have to enjoy. So then I begin to really like things different way. And and uh, actually, I really like the freedom of America uh, in great country. We have abundance, 
we have everything um, we need. But sometimes people complain. So I said, go to Africa or India a few months, uh, then you know what's complaining. Because here, we have just abundance of choice. So something, I think that's maybe enough. That's great. Thank you so much. That's really, 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 really interesting. Uh, we're really glad that you're here in the U.S. Morty, how did you get involved in Buddhism or what, what pulled you in that direction? And then how did you connect with Rinpoche? Sure. So just a brief clarification. So Lama Lanang Rinpoche and I are, are not partners. Okay. You mentioned that. I appreciate that. Uh, he is the founder and the director of Jigma Lingpa Center, which is, as you know, uh, several different countries. And I am, uh, yes, I have the title of president, but it's really, um, you know, just doing a lot of administrative work. So okay. I'm put that in perspective. Yeah. So I was um, 21 when I went to business school in University of Chicago Business School. And I was very unhappy, but I didn't know how unhappy I was in life. I had no idea. And I went to uh, take a Japanese karate class and I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. And I'm like 10 minutes into it and I'm thinking like, okay, this is very hard. You know, I was from Brooklyn, so I had a big ego about how tough I was. And I had 10 minutes into the karate class, and I'm thinking like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is crazy. These people are crazy. I said, I'm never coming back again. Uh, they barely spoke any English. You know, they did this meditation at the beginning and end of class. We're sitting on our knees. Every single moment I was there was pain. Um, but when class was over... For the first time in my life, I was crystal clear. I was happy. I was joyful. What, you know, and so I, two days later, I came back and it's like same exact experience. All the complaints, all the stories going on in my mind about why I shouldn't be there and why this is too hard. Uh, but I kept coming back and eventually that led to a, a, a deep attraction to Buddhism. Um, and then many years later, of course, is when I met, uh, when I turned, before I turned 60 is when I met Lama Lanang. And that's because I was very interested in finding out more about the death experience. And Lama Lanang is a master in Tibetan Buddhism, is specifically as it relates to how we die, what happens after we die, how do we attain an auspicious rebirth. And those are topics I was very interested in as I got older. And many of the other Buddhist uh, lineages and sects really don't talk about that so much. They're focused on the here and now, which is beautiful. Um, and that's how I uh, was fortunate enough to meet uh, with Rinpoche. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's so interesting. I, I mean, I see some similarities. I know you're at different places and all of that, but both of you had situations where you were kind of judged that initial experience. With Rinpoche, it was judging the United States, understandably so. And Morty, with you, it was judging that first experience um, with with the, the Buddhist the Buddhism. I I I want to stop and just pause for a minute because you said that you didn't know how unhappy you were, and I think that's so interesting. I really think that's so interesting that you can be unhappy and not know it. And do you think that's? I, I know it's not ours to really judge other people, but I, I feel like that's the state of a lot of us. No, I, I agree. I think most of us don't really know ourselves, so to speak. We think we do, except we have so many, uh, as, as, as Rinpoche talks about, so many stories, so many thoughts running around our head about the past and the future uh, and who we think we are, but it's not always what you think. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not always what you think. So we'll get into that more. Uh, so um, let's talk a little bit about the Tibetan Book of the Dead, because I don't think everyone who's listening even knows what that is. So I'm kind of interested in what is the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and and why did you all, you both feel that it was time to write a, a book for beginners to make it more accessible to others? Um, Rinpoche, can you talk about a little bit about what the what the Tibetan Book of the Dead is? Uh, yes, um, and Tibetan Book of the Dead is uh, uh, we have a big uh, book of that called Pardo uh, Tudor. Pardo Tudor means uh, when somebody hearing that uh, that liberates anybody hearing. They're sort of if somebody really understands clearly, they listen to that book, somebody reads slowly, that really puts you into free yourself, you free your spirit and putting you in a real peace. <clears throat> uh, in this book, talks about the life and death, <clears throat> and uh, is uh, put is a different chapters like uh, called Six Pardos. So, uh, in this uh, particular um, uh, one, we work together was actually, you know, um, uh, it's just for uh, people in here in America or Europe. Uh, so like during the pandemic, uh, the corona price, so many people die uh, in times. So that's the times. And also, Amori uh, always uh, say, okay, we should write about something this. And I don't know the English, so it's okay. I will do interviews with you and I will come to write this is something really done it. So I said, okay, then, uh, yeah, yeah. But then in general, a lot of people come to me and say, well, you have so many gifts. We can do this, this. But uh, only few people go through kind of then. I said, okay. Then I noticed the Maurice very delicate, very humble, and also he says something. He meant it. He really focused. He's uh, not talkers. Like, well, sometimes people waste so much time on other people's and themselves. So, so then that's the way we start. And uh, my mission in this world is anything I think, anything I do, anything I say is try to benefit others. That's just really my focus. So then uh, from there we start, but this is just uh, the book is, uh, we compare, I can say in Tibetan book of uh, Live and Dying, uh, of Tibetan book of, uh, for the dead, is uh, this is like we can say first steps, just sort of kind of overall, everybody understand the basic, but uh, there can be three levels books, can be uh, inner levels, sort of the, the death experience, what is the, the death about inner level. And then also we can talk about the supreme level of really can take it as a, a very higher level, can be have three books. So, and this is kind of the, this talk about how to, what is death means, so and so on. And how to have what karma means, like very simple, uh, basic things. So something like that's the way I see. More, did you want to add to that? 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is part of a larger set of teachings by uh, someone who's known as the second Buddha. The first Buddha, that's the one we see in all the statues and all the pictures uh, 2,600 years ago. Um, but the second Buddha came along in the 8th century. His name was uh, Padma Sambhava, or some call him Guru Rinpoche, but he's also known as the second Buddha. And he had a great n- amount of teachings of which a very small, I don't want to say small, but a portion of that is known as Tibetan Book of the Dead or Bardo Todol is another, is how they say it in, uh, in Tibetan. And, um, but it was not discovered until the 14th century. Another great master came along and discovered it and started to teach it and write it down. It's a very, very advanced set of teachings that's meant for masters, advanced masters to help their students and, and other people as well, uh, to go through the afterlife, to, to die well, die peacefully, and then go through the afterlife peacefully, calmly, and then have an auspicious rebirth or to go to the Pure Land or to go to Nirvana. So this is a guidebook, literally a guidebook that the uh, great masters will sit with the person who is dying together with other monks and literally either chant or whisper in their ears and giving them directions on how to proceed, how their consciousness should proceed. Having said that, the English translations for the Tibetan Book of the Dead are very dense, very uh, difficult to read, unless you have a lot of experience studying not just Buddhism, but Tibetan Buddhism. So if you're a Zen Buddhist, you you know, I know plenty of Zen Buddhists and even teachers who have read Tibetan Book of the Dead in translation, very, very hard. So long story short, this is an introduction. It's for beginners. And as uh, Rinpoche mentioned, uh, there are many, many, many levels deep that one can go. And this is really just to get anyone who's interested in uh, living peacefully, dying peacefully, having a uh, calm, peaceful, beautiful afterlife experience and an auspicious rebirth. So this is to allow people to really do uh, understand that, learn that on a uh, much simpler level. Yeah, well, I think it's fabulous. I, I, I have, I haven't tried to tackle the original book myself, but I did, I did really appreciate your book, and I appreciated because I am a beginner at this, and I appreciated having access to these teachings at at the level that that I'm at. So I, I think it was a fabulous idea. I'm wondering if you could um, share with the audience what. Well, let me back up. I think the Western view of death, we just we just tend to overall, my view is we tend to overall ignore it. We tend to fight it. We tend to think we put it off. We don't think about it. We we kind of think overall that we're going to live forever until, you know, we're kind of up against a wall and and death is coming. That's that's my view of of the West. I think that there's different religious views, like the Christian view that believes that there's this heaven afterlife. But there's not a lot of preparation to get to that. Um, there's a lot of near-death experiences that people like to learn about. People who have, you know, left their body and then come back and talked about the unconditional love that's on the other side and whatnot. But other than that, there's a lot of just fighting death and being afraid of death, or certainly not thinking about death. And you know, we 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 kind of put our elderly away somewhere so we don't even see it. So I, I'm I'm hoping that this book and that these teachings can perhaps bring to the West another view of living and dying as, as this one, you know, 
it's a cycle and something that we we all, all live with and can prepare for and to help others move through. So I think it's really, really great thing. I would love to see the West embrace death in a very healthy way. Um, so what I started to say is I'd be interested in learning or our audience hearing generally what the Tibetan Buddhist view of death is. I know you've mentioned the bardos. Is is that something that we could talk about a little bit here about about the, what happens to consciousness at death? Um, Rinpoche, can you can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Big difference uh, in culturally uh, believing was uh, I see between the uh, Asia to West and Tibet into West is a big extreme because kind of very different culturally. In here in the Americas, the great country in the world, we uh, have the best land, best people. We have everything here. But when you're old, then people put in cities and centers, or if you only visit this once or twice a month or something, even though people have abundance, they put in their parents there. And those people really I went to visit, they just like, they're so lonely and they really wanted to see people. And they just sort of waiting for some come say, can you take me with you? And uh, you see, can you come back? You're so hard and talk to us. So thank you. You know, they're so needy, kind of very there. You, we treat like that. Then in America, sort of your teenager, then People make faces like, oh, you have two teenagers? Oh, my God, or something like that. Make faces. But we've all been in teenagers, and we just sort of have this view of Hollywood, sort of everybody have to be fit, and everybody have to be have good look and good clothes, and everybody has this idea about people. But you see, we have all kinds of looks, all kinds of ages. The basic, what I go down to it is uh, in Tibet is we just sort of really openly accepted the death. So it's sort of birth and death is no difference because both is a natural thing. In America, it's sort of a lot of people don't want to talk about the death and they don't want to hear. And uh, <clears throat> somebody told me, and they said, oh, you have to be careful with talk with your upgrade American friends. I said, why? Because you say, oh, my old, old friend, they don't like that. You say, oh, he's my long-time friend. They, that they better say that because when you put the old, they don't like it. So that's the difference in, in Tibetan. So like you say, there are a group of people. We say, oh, who's oldest? Everybody wants to be the oldest, like a rising hands. Me, I'm oldest. I'm oldest, sort of, kind of. They want to be the oldest. And then when they get in, as you know, 16, 17, then they're like, okay, I have a great life. They give it to everything to their family and they say, okay, I just close to monastery. I just need them study death and dying and just have to practice meditation. So I have a good life. So uh, you see... Uh, if you don't accept the death, then death is the most the difficult thing you have to deal. But when you uh, you work with the death, death is not death. Death is liberation. 
But death is not death. It's death is something natural path. It's just sort of everybody have to, born means so we have to all go through that. And actually, it's a beautiful thing. It's a death is so beautiful thing. Everybody sort of don't like it. But you see, for example, uh, and like a couple of years ago, my their friend, she called me. She was crying. She said, Mama, can you do prayers? My father, I lost my father. He died. I said, I'm so sorry. Okay, how he died? She said, oh, he was 95 years old. And uh, he wants to have a party, family party, and then have party. And uh, usually he don't drink, but that night he want to drink some wine. And he drinks some wine. Next morning, he didn't come to breakfast. Then they looked, he wasn't dead in the bed. Then I said, oh, that was a wonderful thing happened. That's a wonderful story. She was mad. She's like, Lama, you understand that I lost my father. You said, wonderful, good story. I said, yeah, I wish I can die like that. That's everybody's dream, you see. Then she's like, I don't think that way. I said, you know, 95 years old, family party, drink some wine and go to bed and just, that is the beautiful story you can hear. But so we have this kind of death so bad and she was so sad. Suddenly she changes. Oh, wow, that's right. Then she kind of sort of begin to happy. And I said, you should celebrate and enjoy your father's life. Of course, I do prayers. He born better life. But so anyway, the short is in Tibet. Everybody at the focus of the death and do prayers and study about the death. That's why uh, in my monastery near there be a couple thousand uh, like elderly people coming there to family sent there to study about death and die meditation practice. And uh, one of my friends told me, everybody just sort of happily dies. So say, okay, don't, like some lady is like 70, 80 years old dying, like saying family, come today, please leave me alone. I just need the meditation focus. You guys come back. Don't worry about me, okay? I'm very happy I see my master, my lama is with me. And the Buddha Dharma is with me. I don't need anything. And then praying and sit and die. So it's true. If you want to, there's a death. Is a, there's a way to learn it. Then you can die anytime you want. And also which way you want to die. It's like death is not death. Death is a liberation. You see, birth is the most difficult thing. Go through mother and child. But... Everybody's laughing and say, come graduation. The death is just goes to, you know, uh, other trends. It's just, uh, we see it's uh, like something's uh, not something bad. We see it as uh, something beautiful thing. You see it another journey. That's beautiful. I love that. And I, I think there's, I think there's a link to the West's um, worship of youth <laughs> And, and, and also our fear of death, you know, I think there's something about that. I'd love to live in a culture where, where, where the elderly are the ones that everybody wants to be. Morty, is there something you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think, uh, thank you, Rinpoche. I think that we all have a fear of the unknown. And, uh, you know, if we don't know what's going on, what's going to happen to us, then, uh, then we're afraid, especially something as big an event of death. And, 
not to be morbid or anything, but in Tibetan Buddhism, uh, we, we not only talk about that, study it and prepare for it. Um, and it's, it helps us live a better, happier life now. So this is not, I'm preparing for something that's going to happen, maybe happen 30 years. You know, we all think we're going to live forever. You know, and it's not going to happen another 30 years. I'm going to prepare now for that. I don't want to waste my time, but um, I'll just do it a day before I die. I'll start preparing then. And that's not how it works. So we, we all of our practices involve that type of preparation and understanding, not in a morbid way, but in a way that if I can train my mind to be calm, peaceful, equanimical, joyful, um, selfless. Now, this moment, that carries on to the next moment, the next minute, the next hour, the next day, until, oh, 20 years from now, or whenever I do pass, that is my state of mind because I've been training to be that way. And then as Lama Lanon says, and then it's a joyful event. That's so interesting. I, I do agree. We do celebrate birth and we find death something that is um, kind of reprehensible. But I love the idea that death is liberation and that it's beautiful. I do think birth is the most difficult. That's got to be awfully scary for the baby. So this is such a healthy way to live. Your book really does seem to be partitioned in like how to live and then how to die and how to live and how to help people through their death. And, and you, uh, just a couple of quotes from the book, how we live is how we die, which I think is what, what you both just said. Um, understanding karma is invaluable to seeing the relationship between the present moment and the end of life. And I think that really takes, it takes some level of maturity to know that what we're doing now really impacts, you know, our entire future. I guess what I'm saying is it's pretty easy to say if we just live generously and open to the present moment, and if we just live with our hearts open, you know, then we will live a better life and we will have a better death. But how do we get there? I mean, what, what are, what are your thoughts on, on the steps that people need to take or can take in order to, um, to live this life in the present moment that prepares us for a, a great end of life and, and an auspicious rebirth. Um, does that question make sense? What, what, what do we tell people? What, what actions should people take? Rinpoche? Oh, okay. It's a very simple. I think it's a, a death is a very obvious and uh, uh, very important to our lives is you have happiness in your heart and peace in your home. You are a successful man. You are a successful woman. So from there we have to I start is uh, it's a very very important to uh, begin to focus the, to uh, you know um, work uh, working in this present uh, moment to uh, creating the the peace. Uh, so when you Karukating peace means appreciated everything, who you are, where you live, what you do, uh, and, uh, and appreciated uh, everything in our life. And then begins to prepare, write down the, all the, when you die, and the, what you house, what you have things, what you wanted to go, you know, go to your son or daughter, or you wanted to go to charity, everything clear 
as a cursor, like a you know, black and white, right? And then meantime, I have to be really enjoy your um, live with the peace. And but then your moment of the death comes, you have peace too because you see you. Then you think back in your life. You're like, oh, I have a good life, simple. I'm enjoyed. Now I'm going to die, but I'm very happy to ready to go. You see. So that's why it's a peaceful way, the joyful living, peaceful way dying. So, and that's why I will say is be simple, be happy. Because you see, in America, we always chasten the sense objects, like sort of what we see, what we hear, and the Hollywood style life, and all the commercial things we chasing. But it's okay to chasten, okay to create it. Okay to having things, but if we push. We need the pushation. Otherwise, you look at the richest men in the world, still wants more. You see, uh, they are hungry, want to build more businesses in other countries and other places. Even though may build the Mars or Moon or who knows the way want to. You see, uh, it's very important to, to enjoy it. So what I'm saying is. I would just want to share with this story. This, I think, is very useful, so I think it is good. Uh, I have this friend, or it's like I never call my students, but my friends. This guy in Tijuana, he, he's kind of a nice person. He said he saw this young young man, but the look is very poor, like a homeless. So he wanted to give him something, no? And but he was busy that day. He's go, if he stopped, he went late. So he, he went. Then next time he take his two children somewhere, and then he sees again. Then he stopped, and he gave him twenty dollars. Like that means four hundred pesos, like a lot uh, for a homeless person. And this young man took it. Then he look at. Then he look at his car. He look at his children. He comes back. He give it back. He said. You know, you have a car, you have two children, you have more expenses. I don't have any expenses. My life is great, great. Thank you for giving me this, but I think you need to give it to bed. So it's what I'm saying is in the life is everything is uh, it's all about our mind, how you see. Uh, and uh, if you can happy and peace, then means you're rich, you're successful. That's the way I see. That's mm-hmm. what we need to focus. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, Morty, what do you, would you like to add to that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think the problem is that we are focused very much here on the me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I mentality. Um, so when we start off in that direction, we create that habit about, you know, this is my car, my house, uh, my life. Uh, and then we become very judgmental about everything around us, whether it's politicians or food or how we think our life should be, that is the crux of the problem. Because invariably, we will have disillusionment because you just can't have your car forever, the best car forever, your life forever. Or, you know, uh, you can be judgmental and opinionated all you want, but that's just your own opinion. And when you're faced with someone or something that is different from that opinion, we experience this sense of suffering or disappointment. So how do you reverse that? How do you undo that? And you have to undo that one moment at a time. So Rinpoche talks about being in the present moment. 
Well, that's kind of what meditation is all about. And, you know, meditation is very, very pervasive now. It's wonderful. Um, but you can't just, you know, okay, I'm going to meditate once for 10 minutes, try to be in the present moment, and then, and then I'm going to be good. I'm good. I, I hope I have a good death in 20, 30 years. We have these habits we've created over our lifetime. I'm, I'm 65, so I've had these habits created over, you know, 60 plus years. How are you going to reverse that with a 10-minute meditation? <laughs> it's not going not gonna to happen. So that's why we're, we, in every religion, really, we are retraining our minds, retraining our minds, and in Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, retraining our minds to be in the present moment, retraining our minds not to be the past, the future, retraining our minds to appreciate um, great masters that we have, that we learn about, that we aspire to be. And as we do that day by day, we feel, have an opportunity to feel joy, peace. And of course, that carries over, carries through the rest of your life until you're dying and then in the afterlife, et cetera. Yeah, the retraining our minds. I, I, I guess it comes to my mind is, you know, people who've had very, very difficult upbringings, maybe they were in an abusive environment or something. And, 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 and then they dwell in the past or their identity is of a person who has, you know, been, been abused, but anything can be retrained. Do you, do you agree with that, Morty, that you're any, any circumstance that you've been in, that you can retrain your mind and, and, and come to this place of, of joy and peace? Yeah, oh, ab absolutely. Um, because as Rinpoche mentioned, and also you pointed out in my story, you know, we're retraining our minds. I, I was unhappy. Once I realized I'm, I'm unhappy, we retrain our mind to figure out, gee, maybe life's not so bad here in the United States. Or, you know, we have to understand that. And it's, it's not easy. It's very simple, but it's not easy because the habits are so ingrained on how we view, understand things. And we always think we're right. So that makes it, you know, Mark. Yeah, Twain. we don't even we don't even see our habits either. I think that's the thing. We don't see our conditioning. We're layers and layers of conditioning on us. We don't really see that. We just think that we are what we are. And so, yes, so much of the path is putting the light on ourselves and seeing our habits, our patterns, and our conditioning. Yeah, I, 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 I found I, another quote. Go ahead, go ahead, Morty. No, I said I like a quote from Mark Twain. Uh, he says, it's not what you don't know uh, that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. So that's, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we, we're, so, we're, so, we're so sure of ourselves. We're so right. sure. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, we're so sure. And in this day and age of the internet where we can all research everything, we get really sure. I know I do. I hold on to my own thoughts, which brings me to this quote from your book. The grasping to support a strong sense of self-identity creates negative karma. Considering alternative views of the self loosens that grasp on self-identity and creates positive karma. I really like that. And maybe that's just so inherent in the Buddhist system. But this is something that was, I, I don't know, for some reason that just really stuck out to me. That when we're, we're grasping to support our self-identity. And that's what's creating negative, negative karma. It's not always just the big things like, you know, lying or cheating or stealing or harming or killing or whatever. It's this grasping to support our self-identity that creates negative karma. And 
if we just consider alternative views of ourselves, that that loosens our grasp. I just thought that was fascinating. I really appreciate that in your book. Um, I'm, I'm interested, uh, Rinpoche, is there anything more you would like to say about that? About the, um, yeah, of course, um, uh, that's just the, the karma is uh, we uh, have uh, self attachment and grasping. From there, we got uh, jealousy and uh, hatred and uh, pride and all the, the seeds of the karma of the negativities we created. And then we think, as, oh, I'm not happy. Why? I think as, then we try to make the stories or blaming somebody, but uh, actually because we're living with uh, the poisons within ourselves. So we need the really uh, Buddha Dharma uh, talk is about the we to realize is the what is the the seeds of the suffering is ignorance because we don't see that. So and that's why we need the, always we kind of look in something in up somewhere and up there. But uh, in uh, in the Buddha's teachings, is uh, what you're looking for is already there. So you have to study yourself. You see, work with the in these issues. We live with it. Create the bad karma. Create the negativity because you use a, a, a hatred or anger. Imagine your partner must be feel so bad because you do that. If you create this, you're not good for your children. You're not good for your friends. It's that's why we have to look at the the uh, the what is the the cause and the what is the real seeds of the suffering. So in the, from there, if we begin to working with that and not try to change the world or other people, but we begins to work within ourselves to work with our mind to creating not an angry person or hated person or, uh, you know, too much pride. You see, good things happening. We can appreciate it. We can share these things to others. Difficult things come live, but we can take it as a teaching. Oh, so wonderful to face in this. Like, for example, some, you may be best friend, yell you and mad you. And that's just the most difficult thing happened, but actually good thing happened too, because you have chance to really learn who you are. You always think is I'm a good person. Everybody thinks I'm a good man or I'm a good woman. That's everybody. But weather's good, food is good. Everybody's easy to be a good person. But the moments of challenges come, you're facing with your best friend yelling you and scream you then. And that teaches you that it's really then if you really connect with your best friend to listening, so just okay, yell me, say it. Then you really, oh, I did that. I didn't realize. Then you learn and laugh things yourself. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. You can really apologize. But a lot of times you don't want to hear, then you don't hear. So the listening is very important, right? Then same time. You can know your friend is kind of angry and means to say, and he need help. It's not a, there's already anger that 
you don't need the angry, you create more problems. Because you listen to sort of something's not your problem, maybe he's exaggerating, then you can love him and just hug him and say, okay, calm down. I'm your friend. I never give up to you. So we are go through together, you see? And then also that through that process, you're going to learn a lot. And then if you can make that through, then your friendship is going to be hard, like a sort of so deep. So like you see, uh, and that's why it's uh, sometimes we forget in the communication and the listening and uh, to others. We always, uh, it doesn't matter. I learned if I meet a child, so see, at the one time this child six years old, this little girl, she said, I was like, oh, sunset. She said, no, sunrise. I was like, actually, sunset. <laughs> we had started arguing with this six-year-old girl. She said, sunset here means sunrise somewhere. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, yes, that's true. You see, and you listen, and then you can learn something from a six-year-old girl. So you see. But then we think, oh, I am from, I'm elderly, I'm like the 50s now, I know so much. It's kind of <laughs> ego power. So that's what I'm saying is what's going on and that what people are saying, what kind of friend people you spend. Everybody teaches you if you listen. You go outside, take steps, you have chance to listen. Everything teaches you what you see, what you hear, what you feel. So, but the, the, the bottom line is what is important is you driving yourself, not uh, what people say or what people do. And that takes you like, like, oh, because of her, because of him. That means you show yourself the weakness, you see? You, you want to be stay who you are, but at the same time, you work with yourselves to live with the peace, but also same time respect others and also listening as like a check. Even though I love these people like in the street, the homeless, people call their mental problem. They're yelling and saying things. I always listen and they what they say. Sometimes they, you can learn a lot of things. You know, one time I've gone to shopping once in the, the place. This homeless guy was sh shouting like so. You buy, you throw, you buy, you throw. I was like, I'm going to buy something. He's talking to me. <laughs> you see, if you listen and you connect it, there's, you can learn wisdom and from anybody everywhere. So in the also same time, how you see that the karma starts. You know, you say, oh, they're crazy people. You don't know their truth is. Even though, like, so we can so we say, oh, this person is finic. Person, oh, he's talking himself. He sees something. He hears voice. But also that this karma and what kind of entity, what kind of spirit, we don't know. We can't really judge. So that's why only one thing we know is our mind. Our mind is loving, kindness, and compassion and peace. Then. Definitely, we are in the right place and creating good karma. But if we 
judging I'm good, but he's bad, that person bad. But truth is we don't know nothing about other person's minds, what their tensions, you see. So that's why we don't want to, it's not good to judge in others. But what, I, what I'm saying is <clears throat> judging ourselves to not lose ourselves because of the because others okay thank you uh, morty um if you have something to add to that um I'd, I'd like for you to do that and then we have probably about eight more minutes and i'd like to kind of pivot to um, how we support our loved ones as they approach and navigate death because that's kind of a big part of your book so is there something you'd like to add to what ripache oh. just said Oh, yeah, just uh, a quote that I had a yoga teacher teach me many years ago. It goes, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? <laughs> mm -hmm. And most of us, we just want to be right, you know. Uh, but, uh, but and, and I think in Rinpoche's stories, so he saw three or four different examples. You see the open-mindedness and the selflessness that um, the, in each one of those stories or we can be very closed-minded and it's me, 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 I, I, I. So um, that's kind of the direction where we're all trying to retrain ourselves um, as we march through this life. Okay. And can you, can you go ahead and, and, and kind of summarize the parts of the um, Tibetan Book of the Dead that talks about supporting loved ones as they approach and navigate, navigate death? Because I'm thinking that as I was reading that part of the book, I was thinking of all the ways I didn't do that, <laughs> all the ways I didn't do that with my mother and with my father. And, and then I was thinking about people who die suddenly who don't have that opportunity. But I think it's so beautiful that we can surround our loved ones who are dying and support them in their process. That's something that's so missing in the West. And I don't think we know how to do that at all. And that's one of the things I just love about your book. So, um, I, I'm thinking we have another five minutes or so. Morty, do you want to go ahead and, and, no, and cover I'll, that? I'll keep it short, and then I'm sure yeah. I'd love to what Rinpoche says. So, yeah, one of the yeah. chapters is supporting loved ones as they approach death. And I think the very, very first thing we, we recommend is to prepare your own state of mind. So before you rush in to see your father, your mother, your sister, whatever, whoever's, whoever's ill, whoever's dying, you want to check yourself a little bit and center yourself so you don't go in there with all of your own baggage and all of your own stress and anguish. So we kind of check our own state of mind and maybe even plan ahead. Um, you know, some very uh, tangible things. Oh, you can bring a gift. You can bring flowers. You can say some prayers before you go in. You can say some, you know, before you even go into that space. Um, and then after that, you know, try, do your best to be there to support them. It's not about you. It's about supporting them. Uh, so we can, as Rinpoche mentioned earlier, we can learn how to listen. We can keep calm. Um, so things like we can ask questions if they have the energy to respond. What can I do for you? Can I get you some ice, some medications, some food? Think we're not pushing and pulling like we do daily life. We're not, we're not there to negotiate. You know, we're there to support and to listen and to be of service for them. Thank you, Rinpoche. Is there something you'd like to add in the next couple of minutes about okay. supporting loved ones as they navigate? Uh, yes, I, very important uh, is the place of somebody's dying is uh, their mind is uh, very sensitive, and also same time 
their mind is very clear because they don't think about worldly activities. Only they know they die. And so kind of in that the direction is the very sensitive. So you what you say things make a difference. And the people dying, elderly people is like a become like a child. Small things make their happy. Small things make their feelings hurt. So don't matter what's their conditions. Sometimes they may yell you because they have a lot of pain. Maybe they take a morphine or some drugs make their totally different person, painkillers. So you have to realize that. And also somebody's dying and they are go through their pain and suffering. So it's not take a personally. Sometimes like, oh, my mom's so mean. I just don't want to see her. Or, or why he was mad. It just uh, never gave up and uh, love them anyway and, uh, and uh, support their wishes. And also mm-hmm. create the peace around them. Don't talk about business or so, oh, what we do and what we do things. So they well, never talk of those things. In a, even though somebody's a coma, their minds is clear, it's crystal. So it's a, you have to be very careful. They can hear uh, and they can talk or they say nothing. So that's why around them, meditate, do good music. Uh, if they're Christian, Christianity or something, then Christian nice music. So talk about angels, create some candles. It's just a whole family together and in finished businesses, such as like two sisters don't talk in three years. It's good to talk. You say, okay, mom, okay, so we are now peace. We talk, we hug, and we love you. Don't need to think about us. Don't worry about us. Connect with God. You know, in that kind of they need. It's really beautiful. I just, I just love the idea of having, you know, creating a holy space around around death and and just really being present. And and I completely agree. We have to learn how to be present in our life in order to be present in our death, and also in order to be present for people who are dying. So. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of richness in your book, and I think your work is really, really great. I um, I think we'll have links to your websites and the book on the podcast page. And if if you just have a really short um, summary statement that you'd like to make before we close, um, I'll give you that opportunity. Rinpoche, do you have a, a, a summary statement? No, really. So um, I will say thank you for the opportunity. So karmically, two days we spend, and so kind of now we are so kind of almost like a friend, you know, just like old, old, old long time friend. I have to say, long time friend. So <laughs> I'm okay good. with old time. <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm saying is, uh, it just anybody really listens, and uh, so I hope this is something benefit their lives. That's what I want to say. So. Thank you, Morty. Yeah, you know, as Rinpoche mentioned earlier, he doesn't do anything unless it can be of service or of help to to anyone. And that's really any being, any human being, any sentient being. So this is a very short book, and it's really made to be of service and of help for anyone of any religion. It's about love. It's about compassion. It's about 
loving compassion ourselves and being able to do that for others, especially people as we die and we're all, we're all going to be there one day. So we might as well prepare and enjoy our lives now so we can do so uh, when that day comes. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I know your book is of service to humanity. I also think this podcast is of service to humanity. I know that I always trust that there's somebody out there that this is going to land on their heart. And it's none of my business to know who that is and how, but I completely trust that the purpose of this podcast is to bring hope and inspiration and awakening. And I just know that this time that we've had together as new old friends <laughs> has, has benefited, <laughs> benefited people. So thank you so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate your being with me today. Uh, I, I, I think the book is fabulous. Thank you, listeners who've been with us. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.